Tonight we'll be in Philippians chapter 1. While you all turn there, I'd like to put an image in your mind. That image is going to be an image of an assembly line. Um, I don't know if, if you've ever worked an assembly line. I never have. Uh, but I have a general idea of what an assembly line is. From what I know, Henry Ford is the guy who made the assembly line famous. He, he took the assembly line and used it in the automobile industry. And, and so what I want you to understand about the assembly line is that the car that is made in an assembly line is made from an entity outside of itself. From start to finish, something outside of the car makes the car. Right, the uh, the worker is the one that first when he the car doesn't just all of a sudden think you know today I want to be a car I'm going to build myself no that's not how it works right the frame of the car the the worker has to go get the frame of the car and I've I have no idea if I'm correct on this but he takes the frame of the car hooks it to the machine and it's going along the line and each person is adding parts to it right one person gets in there and drills in the, uh, the stereo unit. Another person's bolting on the wheels. Another one's hammering on the bumpers and the fenders and all that. And then by the end of the whole process, you've got a, a complete car, a car that is reliable, that's safe to drive. It's complete. Uh, and as the commercials might say it, Ford is built tough. Um, and so that, that you get to the end of it. And I want you, what I want you guys to understand is the life of a Christian is a lot like an assembly line. From start to finish, God is working in our lives. Um, and and that's, that's what I, from God begins the work, God continues the work, and God finishes the work. And I want us to see that tonight in our passage, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I've got three points tonight. Uh, The first point is that God began the work. The second point is that God continues the work. And the third point is that God will finish the work. Uh, Before I get there, though, hopefully this verse rings some bells in your mind. Um, For the past three or four years, we've been doing the Philippians 1-6 testimony almost every Sunday morning. And so without even trying, hopefully a lot of you guys have this this verse memorized. Uh, we read it every single Sunday almost, <clears throat> and as you all know, Josh or whoever is preaching will ask three questions, and those three questions are, the first one is that, uh, how did God save you? How did God grow you in a specific time in your life? And then, what is God doing in your life right now? Those are the three questions we ask when we do the Philippians 1-6 testimony, and, and something that is really clear in those testimonies is that the, the person up there giving the testimony isn't the main character. Just by the way that we word those questions implies that God is the main character in those testimonies. How did, how did God save you? Not how were you saved. And not, and not how, were, how did you grow, but rather how did God grow you? So we make it evident that in those questions, we want God to be the main character, right? God is the main character in our testimonies. And I think those testimonies serve two purposes. One, they serve to the church members here. Um, It's a good way for us to get to know our church family. I know oftentimes when somebody gets done from from doing their testimony, um, especially on that second question when we ask them, when did God really grow you? 
hearing some of the stories that people share, they're tough stories sometimes and they're hard stories to hear. But afterwards, I'm thinking, man, I know them on such a deeper level now because they were willing to get up there and share with how God worked in their life through a hard time, through a trial. Um, and so, so it helps us to grow closer to our church family, to know them on a deeper level. And then I think more importantly than that, it also shows us how great our God is. After a person gets up there and testifies through those three questions, how God has been working through their life from start to now, after that, we should be able to say, praise God. Thank you for the work that you've been doing in that person. And, and, uh, and it helps us to see that he, he is working in their life. It's evident. They're up there testify, testifying about that. And so uh, it's, important that, it's important that we see that God is a main character in our testimonies. And I, my hope for tonight is that you have a good understanding of your own personal testimony, but more importantly, that you will understand that it is God working in your life through that testimony. <clears throat> so my first point is that God began the work. It's pretty clear in our passage. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So this leads me to ask, well, who, who is it that began this good work? Well, obviously it's God. God began the good work. And we can just go back and look up at verse 1. Paul is writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. He's writing to Christians saying, I'm thankful that God started this work in you, which, me, which, which makes me believe that he's thankful that God saved them from their sins. He's thankful that God started this work of salvation in their life. Another word of, of, for saying this, you could say, is justification. Um, it's, it's a big word, but hopefully you guys will have a good understanding of it if you don't already. Uh, the justification is just a legal standing before God. It is God taking us as guilty and declaring us as righteous. That's what justification is. Another way, to, uh, another way to remember it is if you take the word justified, you can say justified never sinned, just as if I never sinned. Justified, justified never sinned. And so God, what's that saying is, what that is saying is that God sees us as if we had never sinned before. He declares us innocent rather than guilty. When a person is justified, that is God that when a person is justified, they understand that God is holy, that man is sinful. They understand that that's a huge problem, that's a conflict. And they understand and believe that Jesus is the answer to that conflict by, by his blood on the cross, by him dying on the cross in our place. They understand that that is how they have a right relationship with God. And then they repent and believe of their sins. When God takes out their old heart of stone and puts in a new heart of flesh which is another way of, of saying that work, God is justifying them. That is God's work of justification in their life, declaring them innocent, declaring them justified. It, another way we can, we can look at this is if we go back to our call to worship in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 1 it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I don't know about you, but Last time I checked, dead people can't do much of, much of anything, much less raise themselves from the dead. Um, there are instances in the Bible of people being raised from the dead, but Jesus is the one raising them from the dead. Um, if a dead person isn't raised by Jesus, they, they, can't, they don't have the ability to raise themselves from the dead. That just makes common sense. A thing that I thought of was uh, if, if it... 
the monster would still be lying dead on the gurney if it weren't for the knowledge and the expertise of Dr. Frankenstein in his whole mechanism of lightning and all of that to bring him to life. If that had never, if he had just made the body, it would still just be laying there. It took Dr. Frankenstein's knowledge and expertise to bring him to life. Well, unfortunately, in that image, we're the monster, uh, but fortunately, God brings us to life if we believe in him. Dead people can't raise themselves from the dead. And, and I feel bad for calling you guys monsters, so if you look at it in this way, just like the sleeping beauty, we stay asleep unless Prince Charming comes with his, his kiss, right? If, if Prince Charming never comes and give me that kiss of true love, then guess what? I stay sleeping. You know, I'm, no, nobody's ever going to come wake me up if, if that kiss doesn't ever arrive. Same thing is with God. If he doesn't, if he doesn't enliven us and raise us from, from, our de- from the dead that we have in, in sin and our trespasses, then we stay dead. It is God who does that work in us. And naturally, this leads me to ask, well, why would God ever save me from my sin? If, if, if my heart is made of stone, why would he ever put in me this heart of flesh? And I think if, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 1, we start to get a good idea of why he might do this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And so, why would he predestine us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ? It says, according to Ephesians, according to the purpose of his will. And then we, and then we, we get to asking, well, what is his will? What is God's purpose? What is God's will for my life? And, and just from the language used in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, we've got phrases like, before the foundation of the world, he chose us. And... Uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And phrases like, he predestined us as sons. There's all these phrases that God had a purpose for our lives before we even existed, before we even knew about it. And I think one of these purposes that's clear in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I think one of the purposes for God raising us from the dead is good works, which leads me to my second point that God continues this work. So the first point is God began this work. The second point is that God continues the work. And if you think back to our testimonies, the, the, uh, the testimonies we do on Sunday mornings, the second and the third questions kind of point us in this direction. The second question is how... Did God really grow you in a time in your life? And the third question is, um, how is God growing you right now in your life? What is God doing in your life right now? Which, these imply that God is still working. God doesn't just save you and leave you and kick you to the curb. He's with you as you walk through your life as a Christian. He's with you um, throughout life from start to finish. It's clear in our verse that this is true because in in Philippians 1 verse 6 it says... And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You don't just get from start to finish without a process. There's, there's, there's a process. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And if you look back at our assembly line, the car doesn't just go from the frame to the car instantly. There's that whole line and all those workers adding in their different part. It's a process from start to finish, and you've got to hit every single point 
to get to completion. And so God is with us as, we, as he continues the work in us. And another word for this is sanctification. So we've got justification, which is God declaring us righteous. Sanctification is just the process of us in this life becoming more and more like Christ. And, and something that I found really helpful was in um, Wayne Grudem's book on systematic theology. He, he laid out two lists but that, that declared what justification was and what sanctification was. And some of the things on those lists, on that list was that justification is a legal standing. It's God declaring us righteous. Whereas sanctification is an internal condition, meaning he works inside of us. He changes our desires and our heart. He gives us a desire for good works. It's an internal condition. Another thing that he lays out in there is that once you're justified, it's complete. It's complete right now in this life. So once you're justified, you're 100% justified. Um, once you're declared righteous, you're declared righteous fully and completely. Whereas sanctification is never really complete in this life. It's, a, it's an upward slope and we're growing more and more closer to being Christ-like. Uh, but we're never fully like Christ in this life. And then one other thing that really caught my attention, the, d- the differences between justification and sanctification, was that justification is entirely God's work. Meaning, just like I said, if it wasn't for, for God saving us and God calling us and God raising us from the dead in our sin, we would be hopeless. He's the one that does that work. It's entirely His work. Whereas sanctification is more of a cooperative program. We we work with God. We have a responsibility in this process. Um, and I, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, uh, it helps us grab, grasp a, a deeper understanding of this cooperative program between us and God in the process of sanctification. Read with me in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence, and listen, this is, this is the part I'm getting at. Work, at your own, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We don't just sit back and watch God work wonders in our life once he's justified us, once he's saved us. We play a part in this process. He says, work it out for your own. One of my favorite words in the Bible is, is the word strive. That word strive implies that there's hard work. Some of the definitions for the word strive is to exert oneself vigorously, to work hard, to to make strenuous efforts toward any goal. And our goal as Christians is to strive or to make strenuous efforts toward the goal of Christ-likeness. And uh, this reminds me of when I worked at at PickPack, when it used to be PickPack. There's only so much that a bag boy could do at PickPack. In my mind, it seemed like every day that I went there, I had a list of duties. I'd fly through those duties, and before you know it, I'm at the front of the store goofing off with the cashiers. And then next thing you know, the manager's standing right in front of me, asking me, "Have you re- have you have you uh, stocked the dairy? Have you have you done the produce? Have you gotten all the carts from the parking lot? Um, have you helped customers when they need help? And have you cleaned the store?" And I'm I'm thinking, "Yep, done all that, done all that." And then finally, he's like, "Well, still more work to do. Go face some aisles." And I'm like, "Man." got to be kidding me. Facing aisles just means that he sends me to aisles two to six, and he says, pull every single product to the front of that aisle to give the illusion that our product is fully stocked. It makes the, it makes the store look neater. Um, it makes it easier for customers to see the product, and it's really redundant and boring. 
But even in a store, a store like PickPack, there's always work to be done. That's, that's why I'm telling you this. That in, in the life of a Christian, there's always work to be done. We're never fully like Christ, which means that we're always growing closer and closer to Him. Something that I've learned just this week was, or not learned, but that somebody, I heard somebody say was, we're, we're striving to grow closer to God today more than yesterday and more tomorrow than today. It's every day we're getting closer and closer and closer to Christ's likeness. And a really good way of, of, of seeing this is in the book of Colossians, which is the next page to the right, Colossians 1.29, which is just one verse after what Josh Wombo preached this morning. Paul writes in, in Colossians 1.29, For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Now, in my Bible, I've got the, the phrase, I toil, circled. I've got the phrases, his energy, circled. So, I toil with his energy. And then I've got he, circled. He powerfully works, and then within me. And so, Paul, I think, is trying to show us that there's a balance. There's, he understands that he's toiling, and he's struggling, and, um, and, and he's working, and even in the very next verse uh, in Colossians, he reminds the, the church of Colossae how much he's struggled for them. But he also says that along with all of that, he understands that God is powerfully working within him. And if we go back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 13, which right after Paul writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he then says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So luckily, it's not all of our responsibility. God works in our life as well. It is part of our responsibility. He, said, he does say, work out your own salvation. But then right after that, Paul reminds us, God is working powerfully within you every step of the way. And, and this example might not be perfect, but, uh, but it's one that I thought of, is, is as I race, they've got all these different... Um, Supplements you can use to, to make you race better. The one that I'm sponsored by is called is by Sword, and I didn't really plan this, but Sword's purpose, just like Gatorade, it's just electrolytes. This is just water, but um, Sword's purpose is to help the athlete endure a little longer. Uh, it, it gives us a little bit more energy than water because it's got that electrolytes, um, and so its purpose is to help us win races, pretty much. Sword says. Hey, Drew, if, if, you, if, you, if you drink sword in every single race and you use our bottles and all of that, we'll help you win races because our product is better than the other guy's product. That's how, that's how it works. Um, but drinking sword or drinking Gatorade isn't all it takes to winning races. I've actually got to get on my bike, pedal the pedals, beat some guys, and then maybe the sword kicks in and helps along the way. But there's definitely a, a balance. I can't just rely on drinking sword or drinking Gatorade to get me to the win. It's a cooperative program. And, and that's what I want you guys to understand is, is it, it's, it's our responsibility, but it's God working powerfully within us. And my third point for the night is that God will finish the work. Now, as you guys realize, we've already exhausted all of our testimony questions, uh, which makes sense, though, because... When somebody's standing up there giving up their testimony on a Sunday morning, they're, they're in the middle of the process. They haven't quite got to the finish yet. They're not complete yet. Um, and so they can only really speak of how God has, 
has began the work and how he's, com how he's continuing the work because they haven't quite got to the finish yet. But it does promise that he will bring it to completion. If you look back at Philippians 1.6, it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Not might bring it to completion, not maybe bring it to completion, but that God will, in fact, bring it to completion. It's a promise from God to us that He's not going to let us slip out of His hands. He's going he's gonna to get us to the finish line. He's going to finish the work in us. He's going to complete it. Um, and, and, <clears throat> and another word for this, so we've got justification, which is God declaring us righteous. Sanctification, which is the process of, of us becoming more like Christ. And then another word for this point is glorification, meaning one day when God completes the work within us, He's going to take away all of our sin. We're going to have these new, perfect bodies before Him, and we're going to be able to worship Him without sin's effect. That's going to be called glorification. And it says in our verse that it's going to happen at the day of Jesus Christ. And I took this to mean that at the day that we'll see Jesus Christ, which is only in two circumstances, um, it's either going to be when we die and we stand before Jesus, or when he returns and we stand before Jesus. And so in both of those instances, we're standing before Jesus. And it reminded me of that good old hymn that says, Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Which is so much about Philippians 1.6 and so much about Philippians 2.13 that as long as we're here and we're in the middle of the process, God is still working in us and we're still standing in the power of Christ throughout that process. Till he returns or calls me home, I'm standing in the power of Christ. And, and knowing this, knowing, knowing justification and sanctification and, and glorification, knowing these three points that God begins the work, continues the work, and finishes the work is good, but I want us to be able to apply that to our lives as well. And so as we look back and think of our testimonies and we think of, of the wonderful work that God did in our life when he saved us, we should be able to praise God that he did in fact save us. We should be able to look back and be thankful for all that he's done for us. Not, I, don't, I don't think anybody looks back and says, I'm so thankful I saved myself. It's, it's something that God does in us. And we're so thankful. We should be so thankful that he started that work in us. Another thing that, that we can apply this to is we can be encouraged that he's still working. We should be encouraged when our church, when our church family stands up and says, God is continuing to work in my life. And he continues to work in our life as well. But it's not a, it's not a let go and let God mindset. It's, it's more of a let's go and let God mindset. It's, it's hard work. It's striving after Christ-likeness. We're not complete yet, and so we need to be striving more today than yesterday and more tomorrow than today to grow in our Christ-likeness, to grow closer to him. Uh, the, the life of a Christian is one that's, that's striving after hard work and knowing that all along the way, he powerfully works within us. And then thirdly, we should always be looking forward. Philippians 3.13 says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We should be able to look forward knowing that God has promised he's going to bring us to completion. He's going to finish the work he started in us. We can know with full assurance that God is going to get us there because he promises that in Philippians. And so, as we finish up, I want to remind you guys, who began the work? 
God began this work in us. Who continues this work in us? God continues the work in us. And who will finish the work? Who promises to finish the work? God does. God will. God promises to do that. So let's be a people who are thankful that God saved us. Let's be a people who strive after Him, knowing with full assurance that He works powerfully within us. And let's be a people who look forward knowing that He's going to save us. He's going to complete us. He's going to get us to the finish line. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the work that you've began in us. Thank you for promising to continue that work and promising to bring it to completion. God, I pray that we would live every single day striving after, after you, striving after becoming more and more like Christ, more today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. God, I pray that your name will be glorified in our lives, that people would be able to look at our lives and give you glory in heaven. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.